begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It's Chris, joined by Ben for Adoram Transmission. This is episode 121. We are talking about arguably one of the best Star Wars episodes I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to just put it out there right up front. We're talking about Ahsoka episode 4, part 4, titled Fallen Jedi. Yeah, it doesn't get more spicy than that for a episode title. And there is so much to get into. Uh, we're going to have Milton joining us shortly. Uh, his NFL season is back, so there might be a couple weeks here where we have some latecomers, either Ben or him, but um, I'll be holding the fort down. That's for sure. Every Sunday here at 7 p.m. I'll be on. Um, but how's it going, Ben? Good, good. I mean, it was a great way for me to start my NFL season with my team winning. So that was nice. Um, and then I'm just so excited for this this week's episode of of our podcast to talk about this. You know, we've, we haven't really like gone too crazy talking about it in our group chat this week because we're just waiting until this episode. So that's been, in, you know, so much anticipation. Like I texted my my one friend was like, man, I just need next Tuesday to be here already because I'm so excited to like see this next episode because it's going to be a special one, in my opinion. Well, not even in my opinion. I think just factually, it's going to be a special one just because the fact that, it, you know, the way they're going to premiere the episode in certain locations and, and things, which, which we'll get into, like, you know, they're, they obviously have faith in this week's episode coming up. So it's just, it's so exciting knowing that, um, you know, we have something really good cooking here in just 48 hours from now, basically. Yeah, I really haven't been as excited about a Star Wars anything in a while, probably since Jedi Survivor. I know that's not saying much because that game came out earlier this year, but still, this is this is a high point. And I don't want to get too deep into the episode just yet, but I feel like every episode has gotten better and better and better. So it's really nice to see that the, the trend continues here. And we're going to just basically dive right into this thing, man. Yeah, sounds good to me. Let's. Yeah. We have, so we have plenty to talk about tonight. I mean, gosh, we could probably talk about this episode for three hours if we had oh, to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, first, we're going to have some business to attend to. If you are watching us, feel free to listen to us on any of your podcast streaming apps of choice. Spotify, Apple Music are our choice for you to go to because you can review our podcast there and let us spread the public uh, knowledge of this awesome, positive Star Wars community. And if you are listening, thank you very much. Go ahead and check us out live every Sunday around 7 p.m. Eastern time. We're talking the latest in Star Wars, and you can get involved with our chat every single week. So we also have two releases in Star Wars this week. We have both tying into the Dark Droids event for Marvel. We have Star Wars issue number 38. We have Dark Droids issue number two. I'm going to give a shout out to the Star Wars Underworld because the last couple weeks I have been on there with Matthew breaking down the latest in the comics every week. So I have my reviews on the channel, which are the quick five minute snapshot of, okay, this is what you need to know. And then if you want more of a heavier discussion, 30 minutes or more, then you can go ahead and check us out at the lunchtime stream, as we call it. We usually go around live around 12 p.m. on Thursdays. So there you have it. There you go. Hey, I mean, that's a great way to like you know get your knowledge on all of those different like comics and you know like you said it's like it's like a nice way um also to like tune in for if you need something to listen to like during a, a lunch hour yeah it is really it is really fun i've enjoyed it because I'm, I'm so used to just talking to the camera all the time um and not having interaction with anybody else when it comes to the comics so uh, matthew's just as passionate as i am about those things so it's it's always fun doing that but 
Yeah, man. Uh, I guess I'll just throw it over to you. What was your first kind of reaction to the episode? Because this yeah, is a I hefty mean, one I, here. I mean, for me, this, I think, to me, was the best. Like you said, it's it's arguably, it's in my, like, top tier, like, probably top three episodes of Star Wars shows, period, I would say. Um, like, it's right there with all, like, like to me, you have, um, you know, you have, like, the uh, the Luke Rescue Mission episode from Mando Season 2, which mm -hmm. is up there. You have, I mean, like, see, that's that's the hard thing to think about. Like, you have that episode, which I think that's, like, peak. Like, that's, I don't know, that, when, when Luke appeared, I don't know, I feel like that's a moment no Star Wars fan will ever forget when they, oh, when yeah. they watch that episode. So, like, I think that, to me, is number one. This is either two or three. Like, it has to be, because, like, if you get thinking about it, like, you know, you may have been excited about other shows or things, like, from other seasons of things, but it's, like, what really, like, popped that big for you? And it's, like, it's the Luke episode, it's this episode, um, you know, like, those are the main two. Like, this is top two, top three, I think, for me, when it comes to Star Wars television, just because of, like, the implications and everything of, you know, what it could become. Um, and then I think... You know, I, like, I don't know what else would be in the top three right now, like, off the top of my head, because we've seen so much Star Wars. But I think this one is for sure in the top three for me um, in general. Yeah, when it comes to it, I think of the animation. I think of uh, the Clone Wars, the final episode, just the entire Siege of Mandalore arc is incredible. I think, like you said, of Luke Skywalker episode. There's a lot of Andor episodes that stand out to me, kind of one way out on the Narcanus prison planet, the last episode, just so many moments there. Uh, this definitely, what, what really strikes me about this episode is, and not getting too far ahead, is even before the big reveal at the end, I was already thinking in my head, this is one of the strongest Star Wars episodes yet. And then that happened and it was like, okay, this is well, just amazing now. Well, that's the funny thing, I mean, I mean, our listeners and you guys know, um, like, I know a lot of things. I know different things about this series. Like, this was something that wasn't out there or ever. Like, this is something that surprised um, even mm. people in the know. So, like, that was a big surprise to me. Like, that was a genuine surprise. Like, I did not expect that to be coming. Like, like I was expecting a potential, like, obviously, Anakin this coming week just because, like, Rosario and Dave, the way they've talked about the fifth mm -hmm. episode. But, but uh, so I wasn't expecting this to include him at all it's like it was it was really actually shocking to me for me like being in the know and then like the way it ended i was like whoa 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 hold on when you heard anakin's voice when it cut yeah like oh my gosh they're actually gonna go there already so um so to me like the episode like you said offered even if you cut that whole sequence out the episode still is really really strong storytelling action um uh, good character work for everybody involved um, like characters making choices, like Sabine. Mm -hmm. um, you have them, and uh, you know it just was overall like a really, like a really great episode. Like there, to yeah, me, yeah. I just really had a um, a good time with it, and it just it's just one of those Star Wars episodes that are so rewatchable too. Like I rewatched it mm -hmm, like, three times this week, and it's just like doesn't get old. And then you know, yeah, I just I think there's so much to talk about with this one. Um, you know, when it comes to this show, it's no different. You know, the, these runtimes keep popping out there. You know, we have, uh, so, so like this past week, it was 30, like 32 minutes. 
with you know with the credit without the credits and stuff and it turned out to be a really good episode and then this week it was 37 minutes without the credits like and it turned out to be you know top three star wars television potentially all time under like especially the disney umbrella so like you have these sorts of things like just proving you can tell quality stories if you have a runtime like don't get me wrong i'm always a person like i think I think all shows like for streaming should be mandated to like the 42 minute network television runtime like minimum. I think that should be a thing. But even at that even at that like this shows that you can tell quality stories with a lower runtime which um speaking of runtimes just to throw out there for everybody uh this coming week's episode is 49 minutes and like 55 seconds. Mm. So it's basically 50 minutes you know, you cut off the credits and stuff. We're looking at like 46, 47 minutes. All right. So it's going to be a nice, good episode. And, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be, it, it's good that it's that length too with how special it's going to be in my opinion. Yeah. All right. We got Milton joining us. So it's all three of us. Um, you weren't here last week, Milton, but uh, just do you want to tell us your overall thoughts about Ahsoka so far, the last two episodes you've seen? Uh, yeah. I mean, so far... I like the show. The, sh the show has not been bad to me. Um, has it had those slow moments that seem a little different? Yeah, but I mean, the show's doing what it needs to do. I think we're at the midway point. So, mm -hmm. from what I've seen so far, I've been pretty happy with the show. It's consistently what it is. I thought last week's episode was pretty spectacular for what it was. I loved how it ended. I thought it was a very you know, a very perfect episode for what Star Wars has been over the last couple of years when it comes to their shows. So I, I really enjoy what I'm seeing. Hopefully the second half and the finale of the show um, continues to, I guess, grow or crescendo to a point to where, you know, we really want to see more. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I, I think what I was saying before about just this episode had every, like, little thing I love about Star Wars in it, basically. It's like, all right, we get this awesome moment with the droid fighting a droid we've never seen that before you get this great moment of uh just the overall the, that feeling of rogue one i really like that feeling of rogue one where it's like hair just the idea of rebelling is so quintessential to star wars whether it's rebelling against an empire or rebelling against your own people i just don't think are getting your point and just saying okay screw you i'm gonna do this on my own and and seeing that moment with her and the x-wings like in space with the, with the ghost was a huge like clapping moment for me like yes we're finally getting it seeing some of the best i'll say right now some of the best star wars lightsabers uh, duels i've seen in a long time man like it was just chock full of action so much action was in this darn thing and then just uncovering like you said that the the choice ben the choice about having to make this big decision that's going to be huge ramifications and star wars doing drama really well and Star Wars has done drama really well, but sometimes it doesn't really come off that well. And I feel like this moment with Sabine and this moment of Balin and the idea of Balin being such a really strong lead character and just I'm so bought in on that moment. And then just the whole thing with Anakin and World Between Worlds. So like those were the main moments that stood out to me. There was so much tension in this episode. It was directed, I think, by Steph Green. Right, Ben? I. Uh uh, no, it was directed by... Uh, oh, wait, no, no, the other guy. That was for the other two episodes, sorry. Yeah, Peter Ramsey, he was... he was. Uh, what was he involved in? Game of Thrones, I maybe? I, it definitely sounds familiar. It definitely sounds familiar. 
But let's let's do like we always do. We start back from the beginning of the episode because there's just so much to talk about that I think starting in a sequence will be the easiest way to get through all these talking points here. But uh, what was your overall thought on all this whole like little skirmish that happened between a Mandalorian and a Jedi fighting in unison against droids and everything like that? I'll throw it over to you, Milton. What was your what were your thoughts first off of seeing Huang? defending himself the way he was like that that got a kick out of him. I was not expecting that that was really cool uh, I wasn't surprised you know, <laughs> training Jedi for thousands of years sure so you, would, you would at least know like he'd have some type of defensive capability to protect himself and some offensive capability to you know do some damage but we all know he ain't, he, he ain't Robocop so he ain't really <laughs> um so I wasn't shocked. It was cool to see that little battle. It was cool how, you know, we knew we were in for a, this episode, how they started it with that particular standoff with the assassin droids mm -hmm. or whatever they were. Um, and it was cool to see how Balin, because I know, I know they featured him prior to that attack and how she, I think she said, do you hint, is, is that a hint of fear or something? Yeah. And he's like, no, that's experience. Yeah. He knows uh, Ahsoka's no joke. Ahsoka, it won't be easy to take down no matter what we send at her. It isn't the end-all, be-all. It's more just a, it's more of an of a, a obstacle in her way. Mm-hmm. Like a bridge for them to, like, kind of shield them away from her so they can get their stuff done. So he knew. He knew that they would get their asses kicked. Um, so, no, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I, I like the dialogue that's spoken between Ahsoka and Sabine. Again, like, I was really stiff, or I thought the dialogue was really stiff. I was really down on it at first, the premiere episode. I was like, okay, this just feels very stale, very stagnant, very sterile, these conversations that they're having. And now this dialogue is becoming more human, I guess, or just more of emotion. Because there's this choice that they're saying in the beginning, and it comes back at the end of the episode, too, full circle with Ahsoka saying, you know, in case we can't get the Ezra, essentially no one else should meaning they should destroy this thing and sabine doesn't even hesitate for a second like of course i'll, I'll do what needs to be done no doubt like instant like she's she's bought in then we see what happens later on in the episode so i like how there is that quiet moment of what needs to be done putting us into those those moments so that choice later on in the episode hurts us even more you know what about you ben what do you think about this entire sequence yeah, like the entire sequence, like the droid fight, all that, with, um, and then Ahsoka and Sabine and everybody fighting, like, I thought it was great. Um, and I just really, you know, you had a good time with it. All all the characters, like, you know, had their struggles, had their um, battles. Like, of course, you had Sabine and Shin stuff. You had Huang fighting his his um, opponents. You had Ahsoka versus Maroc. You, you know, it was such a good overall sequence between like all the characters like getting their you know their fights in basically um and you know dave promised that before the series he was like hey like our fans know lightsaber fighting so like you know we we made sure to like give them what they want so you know he did a good job on it he's fulfilling his promises on it so it's nice to see that um and uh yeah like just the visuals like i'm i'm impressed mm -hmm. more and more by the visuals each week like the lightsabers look great um just the way all of this is like getting shot and done i think is is looking really well so um so yeah that's kind of like my like initial take on the action and also i do want to throw in there um to like our prior little um talk about the directors so peter ramsey he's sounds familiar because he directed into the spider-verse oh my gosh 
Yeah, really? So that, that's who directed last week's episode. Well, that explains it because that movie was incredible. <laughs> yep. Oh, that explains it. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the idea of this awesome Star Wars moment when you have a Mandalorian fighting back to back with a Jedi. That, that to me was really striking. We've seen a lot of these types of characters on their own. I believe there's only one moment we've actually seen them unite, and that was in the actual first episode that Ahsoka appeared in, in Mandalorian vs. her and Din Djarin. But just seeing that there is that connection between Master and Apprentice, where, for instance, there's a combo move that's done, where, where Sabine uses a whip cord on one of those enemies, and then brings it in, Ahsoka just slashes the guy. I love stuff like that. It happens a lot in Marvel Universe, tag-teaming moves like that. So it was really neat to see, like, Hugh Wang also acknowledge that and be like, Hey, you guys work great together. Don't separate. You do well when you're working together, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it kind of, like, sets up, you know, the foundation more and more of, like, the forecasting for us going into the future of them, like, working together. Um, you know, just in the back half of this season. Because, like, if you think about it, guys, like, now we pretty much have everything we've seen from the trailers wrapped up like it's pretty much done so now we're like kind of just going into the dark which is a nice feeling oh yeah i love this part when it comes to star wars series and movies it's like okay we are going into the unknown anything's possible what planet are they going to show us where thrawn is there's the unknown regions like oh my gosh i can't wait to see what that looks like we have alex elkins in the chat saying best episode in star wars history and there's a chance next week's could be even better yeah as, as ben said they're showing this in theaters. There's a good reason why. There, there's got to be some really amazing stuff that's about to happen. We'll get into that. We'll get into our speculation at the end of the episode here. Uh, moving along, though, I mean, if you thought this action sequence was awesome, uh, the, the next one is maybe even better. And that's when we have two characters fighting side to side with two adversaries. We have Ahsoka versus the prior Inquis Inquisitor of Morak, and then Shin with a rematch against Sabine. I thought this was fantastic as I watched this episode a second time. I, I took extra care to look at the, the choreography and the fighting. And just seeing the interaction of the lightsabers hitting the trees, the trees are falling over as they're fighting, it kind of reminded me a little bit, and I don't want to I don't want to make you mad, Milton, because uh, let me let me back myself up on this, but it reminded me of The Force Awakens with Kylo Ren and, and Rey fighting in the forest on Starkiller Base, and like, the trees are falling over, except in this battle, it is a much better choreography, I will say. A better choreography for a TV show versus movies. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, and I, listen, I'll, I'll just go next, I'll get into that. So, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that particular battle, you know, I mean, all the fighting in this show has been pretty solid. Um, but I thought the dueling in this episode was, was up to par. And it's like, you know, this, this is what we deserve, what we should have been getting. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to shit on the, the sequels today. It's not about that. I just thought that Dave Filoni did a really good job at bringing what he brought. I mean, he, his team of people, and I can't just put it all on him, his team of people that have been doing the action sequences. And I'm not just talking about this, the Saber duels. Look at the space battles. Look at the, the visuals. I mean, you can tell that this show is paired about. Mm -hmm. Because everything that they're doing is very much a cinematic type of production. This is a streaming platform with eight episodes. They, 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 they had to have spent a, a movie budget on this. And you can yeah. clearly see it in the fighting. I mean, you can... I was just listening to um, Star Wars Theory, one of his old episodes from like okay. a few weeks ago, when he was talking about Nick Gilliard. Yeah, yeah. 
Dude, this was like Nick Gilliard was, was coordinating these battles. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like, we need that type of fighting. Oh, yeah. Because human beings like speed. They like to see the next thing, the next thing. Yeah, we like it to be slow once in a while, but we love it to everything to be fast and quick. So this was a perfect battle. This was a perfect action sequences. So I can't complain. And that comment about The Force Awakens, that's fine. I, I didn't <laughs> mind that particular battle. It's just I didn't like the outcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when it comes to this battle, I think one element, Milton, that was missing, or that has been missing from all of Star Wars, there's a lot of uh, great callbacks that George Lucas has done with Akira Kurosawa. A lot of these samurai-esque, you know, Seven Samurai, stuff like that, all that, oh, those movies that he did. Big, big uh, influence for George Lucas. And, oh my gosh, Dave Filoni just absolutely... And again, there's other people involved besides him, but he was the one that wrote the story, created the story, and, and it's involved in every piece of this thing. Getting to see Ahsoka, like, actually slow down, using forms with the, with the saber, like she's a samurai. Like, it's the first time I've actually really felt like Star Wars was a space sa samurai film in some of those moments where she's taking the time, she's slowing down, the, the wide angle of the camera's swinging back, especially with, like, Lord Balin, we'll talk about that in a moment. Just, I, I absolutely love that kind of thing. And, and it reminded me a lot of Tales of the Jedi when she's fighting Maroc and he's got the speeding saber. She's just taking her time. She's calm, collected, reminded me of Obi Wan versus Maul in Rebels. Just, okay, prepare, you know, to prepare yourself, focus on the Force, and just one shot them, basically. Like, oh my gosh, I don't know if you guys picked up on that. I mean, it's pretty obvious, I guess, but I just like the idea of it. And here's the thing, though, because I'm a huge fan of, like, you know, anime. So, like, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of the show called uh, Afro Samurai. Yeah, I did, actually. And so, like, even how the samurais fight in that, they're slow, they're particular, but it's fast, too. Like, it's mm -hmm. it's it's very much an anime way. And they, they use that Kurosawa element, obviously, in this show, but they use some of the, the, those anime elements as well. It's just not cartoonish. So how they fight, like, the samurais makes sense to me. I mean, look. Jedi's are samurais. It's, it's comes from the word Jedi Geki. I think it's what Jedi is from. Oh. So it's, like it, so it, it's to me, I, it was it was perfect. Hell yeah, hell yeah! I like the whole idea of Sabine at first fighting Shin as a Mandalorian versus a Jedi, and we always hear about the Jedi Mandalorian wars going back to even Knights of the Republic. The reason why the Mandalorians wear the gear they do is because they are prepared to fight against Jedi. And we actually see certain moments where the best car armor is able to repel lightsaber blades. And we did see this when Din first, again, first went up against Ahsoka in that quick little skirmish there. But still, I like seeing, I love seeing, and we've seen it, you know, obviously with Obi-Wan versus Jango Fett. But I just love to see how, even though... Well, we know she's she's maybe force sensitive, but even though she's not using the force right now, she's still able to put up one hell of a fight between all her gadgets and her just overall, you know, martial training and whatnot. Oh yeah, I mean, like, you know, if you think about it, like you said, you have Din, you have you have plenty of the Mandalorians. I mean, I'm sure like if Bo-Katan ran into like you know a Jedi or a Force type user, like you know, a lot of them could hold their own, you know, because they're just like such you know they're like the best warriors in the galaxy basically. So, so it's uh. It is. It was cool, like seeing her like go up against her again, um, and also like you know talking about her and Shin fighting. Like I'm liking Shin characters more and more by the week as well. Yeah, Shin is a bit of a wild card. I can't quite yep. put my finger on her as far as like how I feel about her right now because 
like yeah she she is kind of loyal but then she also isn't because you know just kind of going forward a little bit the idea that she's choking sabine at the end and she has a moment where she hesitates her orders by by balin but then does eventually give in like there is there is a little bit more to her she's not just like vanilla like there is a hint of like okay this gray around her character where it is fun because you you simply just don't know what directions he's going to go in at this point oh yeah i mean look at uh you know like like the names and um the names of the characters like shin hati and um balen skull like if you look up like their whole like norse meanings and stuff basically like you know balen's is like like for the light hers is for the darkness so mm -hmm. it just makes you wonder like you know is that going to be like a forecasting kind of thing for the characters like maybe balen will eventually like you know be more light side leaning and then we get her i don't know maybe she leans more toward the dark side with like morgan elsbeth for example or something so uh yeah i think you have that and you know like you said i feel like her character like she's she's like so composed and stuff mm -hmm. where it's like like you said it's like a wild card i don't know what she's gonna do like i could like it wouldn't surprise me one bit at this point with her character just the way they've done it so far you know if we get to a scene like um by the end of this show like i don't know she just like takes out balen out of nowhere or something yeah you know what i mean like like yep. i just i just i could see that happening mm -hmm. just because that's the way they built her character up where you know she could either do that or she could help him out like it's just it's one or the other with her character it feels like yeah now milton i know me and ben are always off you know with our tinfoil hats about speculation when it comes to star wars and I think me and Ben were both like really raring to go when it comes to this mysterious masked character of of Maroc. <laughs> so unfortunately yeah. to both of us, what happened with this person? What the heck is going on? What is this mist stuff that's just? What is this scream? This what is going on with this character? Darth Smoke Man. Yeah, I think so, man. It just makes sense to look that way. And I told y'all he wasn't nothing special. <laughs> like, I mean, like, because here's the thing, though. Like, they never hyped him up once as a character. True. Two, they, they never said, like, they never actual, actually said his name. Like, oh, uh, blah, blah, is going to be featured. Blah, like, they showed him a couple times. But, like, All right. <laughs> we knew it wasn't going to be Starkiller. That's why I'm like, okay, no, they're not going to waste that character on that. There's no way. So, I mean, it's, it's cool to speculate, but, I mean, you got to speculate within reason. No, yeah, I, I, yeah. Go ahead, Matt. I think, I think when it comes to, like, a, a character like that, like, I, like, I have fun with the speculation side of things, but the, the thing is, a lot of times, people, they can speculate, but they don't leave their speculation at the door when they go into it, you know? So, it's like, you can't, like, you can't be mad at the creatives for not doing exactly what you were thinking that character was going to be. Like you said, when they didn't like hype up that character for example um and for me with Maroc, it's like you know sure he's not like star killer or someone we know or whatever but it is interesting because you know you have him basically being like a reanimated inquisitor potentially with like with the night sister magic because that's definitely what that was in my opinion you know like like you know it's all this smoke and stuff lets out or whatever like it's definitely like night sister magic which is wild and um you know, it just, like, opens up a lot of more potential avenues um, for this show to go, I think. 
Yeah, it's so fun when when stuff like this happens in Star Wars. Just these mystery boxes, where it's like something is answered. We we know that this is not who maybe some of us wanted it to be, but then there's another mystery upon the revelation of what this thing even is. Uh, what is this thing? Is it a, a dead dead Inquisitor that was risen by Night Sisters? We know they can do that. They've done it in Jedi Fallen Order. They've done it in Clone Wars. It's it's very curious. I don't know if this is. I mean, I would have to imagine this gets explored further on in the series. You can't just leave it off like that and, and not address it. So I, I'm just very curious about but what that's going to be. But man, oh man, getting to this big confrontation, I want to talk about this awesome moment with Ahsoka, with with Balin, the dialogue that's shared. You know, we've heard it many times in a trailer about obviously Balin knows about Anakin, knows about what happened to Anakin. And it's just kind of pulling at the strings of Ahsoka. And he's, it's interesting because every villain, every good villain in anything, thinks that they're the hero in something. And this guy doesn't seem outright evil. He's like kind of like Count Dooku. He really reminds me, not only does he look like Count Dooku a little bit, but his personality and just the way he's like very proper. He's, I love his armor, just the way he holds himself, just this stature, this big dude that you don't want to mess with. What was your thoughts on this whole thing with Balin, Milton? Uh, first, before I get to my point, fly equals fly. We got that victory officially. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. How's your boy? Uh, one to know. Um, Balin. So I like that character. I really enjoy him. I think he's one of the better Star Wars characters when it comes to villains we've received in the last five to six years. And I mean. I can go back to seven or eight years. I can even tie it into sequel trilogy just because he's very complex. He's not, you're right. He thinks he's right. Most villains think they're right. But is he actually a villain? I don't know. I think we need more background information on his past, where he comes from. It's obvious he used to be a part of the Jedi Order and how he delivers his, his, his monologues and what he says, especially about Anakin. So you know he knows a lot of those people that Anakin grew up with. I mean, at this point, he and Anakin are probably let's say, let's say his character is about fifty something years old. So yeah. He and Anakin in order together at the same time. Yeah. Because this takes place what ten years after Return of the Jedi. Uh, five or six years, something like that. I think. Yeah. Six, seven. Yeah. Five, six. Forty-two at the end of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. He'd be about. Almost They're 50. almost the same age, probably, and within right. reason. So you knew he was gonna come up with Anakin, so it'd be very cool to see if we get anything. If they if they might show some of his past and how he oh. what's his motivation? Because he really don't have a motivation. He just says he's looking for like power or whatever he says at one point or greatness mm -hmm. or whatever he says. But I like the character. My brother and I were talking about him the other day. Very complex. He's he's menacing. Like he mm. doesn't move fast, but when he attacks, it means something. And you can clearly see that. He isn't just some average Jedi. He knows how to use the Force. He knows how to use a saber. And it made sense. This is where great storytelling is told. It made sense that Ahsoka would struggle against him. He ain't no average Jedi. Mm -hmm. So he's on the block. So I, I, I love what we're seeing with him. I cannot wait, wait to see him this upcoming week. Yeah, I like just when she approaches him. And the fact that he's sitting there... With his hood over his head and his meditative trance, like he's just meditating, f preparing for what is going to be. Like he had said before, he's like talking to um, the the mage or whatever of the Night Sisters, 
um, what the heck is her name? Um, the woman there that is talking to Thrawn. Elsbeth, yes, Morgan, yeah, Morgan Elsbeth. And he's like, it would be shit. It would be a shame to kill somebody of the order or, or something of that line. Like he really, but like his motivation. I, I mean, a mercenary is to make money first and foremost. That's how he got hooked up with Morgan Elsbeth. But I like how she had said something along the lines of like. Oh, you know, you're gonna take over the galaxy or something. And he's like, nah, not not me. It's it's gonna be up to Thrawn. And then when that happens, it's a necessary evil to bring about a new age or something like that. Like, yeah, you have to you have to destroy to create or something along those lines. So again, this is a battle. All the great Star Wars battles are the lightsaber duels have a meaning behind them, and I very much like this meaning because at one point. He's actually painting Ahsoka in an evil light when he's saying you're just like your master tapping into fear and aggression or anger and aggression. And it's like, oh, crap. Like, this is like that paradigm shift where it's like you're running away from the order, just like your master, all this stuff. It's like he ain't wrong. And that's what's scary about it. Oh, yeah. Balin's character is. You're absolutely right. Go ahead, Ben. Oh, go on, Milton. No, I was just saying, you're absolutely right. And up to that point, it was very interesting when he said about you're all, your master, you and your master are all about, like, destruction or something to that extent. Is that what mm -hmm. he says? Something like that, yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay. I mean, and he, I think in his perspective, he's probably right. And I think there is some truth in what he's saying because, mm -hmm. obviously, Anakin led to Darth Vader, was led to wiping out the Jedi and, you know, bringing, you know, a lockdown period to the Galactic Republic. Mm-hmm. Then you look at Ahsoka's choices and how she was a part of the Jedi Order that was very much, you know, flooded with their own dogma, which then led to them being blinded, which led to their war with, you know, the Separatists. So, yes, he's part of that movement of destruction. And he, you're right, I think very much he is very much like a Dooku in the sense of, yes, we have to tear down the old ways to, to build a new and I mean and look and this is I guess to give credit to the sequel trilogy Kylo was saying that in The Last Jedi he's like just forget the past tear it all down and move forward so I understand that that echoing that philosophy of it oh mm. yeah I mean I mean it was great like you know hearing that whole sequence with him and it makes you wonder like you know what connection he had with him in the past because he clearly like knows who Anakin is I mean of course like everybody like in the and the Jedi Order would know who Anakin is. Like, he's, like, the all-star of the Jedi. So, like, everybody would know him. But mm -hmm. it yep. just, uh, you know, it's it makes you wonder, because it feels more like he knows Anakin more along the lines of, like, say, a Tarkin or somebody like that who actually knows him. Okay. Um, so, like, maybe, you know, maybe him and Anakin, like, had a connection, like, in the tent, like, at the temple, like, maybe when they were there. Maybe even... Um, like I've seen, I've seen people like speculate, like maybe you know we might get this like addressed outside the show or something. But like, what if like his master was like, you you know like one of the Jedi? We know like what if it was like Dooku or somebody like when Dooku was there still, or like you know what if it was like somebody along those lines? I mean, heck, even Plo Koon, like, mm. like someone like those, like just because him having it's either I think it's either they have a connection. Or we have, like, basically an older version of Kylo Ren who's just, like, like really into, like, all the stuff surrounding Anakin. Like, Anakin's fall, Anakin's rise, all this stuff. So, like, I think there's, like, a lot of different directions they could go with Balin's um, character. But overall, like, like you both are saying, it just doesn't, 
you know, he's not just like pure Palpatine, like pure evil. Like he, mm-hmm. you know, has his motivations and meanings and just like, like goes with it. And that's clear, you know, of course, like you mentioned, Chris, when he's talking to Morgan Elsbeth, like he's not just worried about like galactic conquest, basically. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's more than just that. Yeah. And, and this part towards the end of this whole encounter is when he's giving Sabine a choice and he literally is not grabbing for the map. He's making it her come to the conclusion he's he's wishing her no harm and i thought for sure he was gonna just stab her right there i was like she's dead she's dead like this is we haven't seen anything past this like this is sabine's end here we go and no he lives up to the word to the point where he defends her from his own apprentice that was gonna about to kill her with a force choke so i like that quality of balin where he is a very fair man he lives by his word same thing that happened when he first approaches New Republic security men above that on that cruiser in the hangar bay. He like gave that guy a choice, and the guy just said, "Screw you." Basically, he's like, "Well, I gave you a chance," and that's when he gets impaled by a lightsaber. So, I really like the idea that this guy—he's a trained Jedi, as you said, obviously Milton and Ben—because he's able to keep in to the Force. He's not a Kylo Ren where he's just going to say, screw this, I'm lashing out. The guy is very calm and collected. And he's, he's very calculated. I don't know if we've seen like a dark side user, if that's what you want to call him, that is this calculated and, and kind of just focused like this. No, I think, I thought it was, I like his character. I'm very impressed with what we're getting with him. I think he, he fits this world of Star Wars. He fits what this show's all about. I love that he is very particular in how he delivers his message. And even, like you said, he's one of those rare villains that stick to his word. He's like, no harm will come to you. And an old girl tries to choke her, and she's, he's like, nah, let her go. And I could have <laughs> easily seen him take out his own apprentice if she wasn't going to listen. So that's uh-huh. just cool. Um, so yeah, I, I he, he quote unquote, how the kids would say it, Balin slaps heavy. When <laughs> so I love it. Yeah, what do you what do you think his plans are with keeping her alive at this point, like and taking her prisoner? I mean, I can see him using her as one or well, a few things, but I'll just keep it to these two points. I can see him using Sabine as a as a tool to maybe lure Ezra to be mm-hmm. a part of his part of the plan. Okay, because he knows that he knows that Ezra is a Jedi and he's very powerful and maybe he can use Sabine to get Ezra to join his side of things. Again, we don't know his true motivations yet, so we have to remember that. And second, I can see I can see Balin taking an interest in Sabine. Maybe it reminds him of like a lost lover or a daughter or something to that nature. I mean that's why he has his apprentice. Maybe maybe that's something there. So we'll see. Maybe it's, it's those two things to me. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think, yeah, with the, it's the first one you mentioned, especially with Allure for, for Ezra. I mean, that's... He, now, here we go again. This guy, he's a clairvoyant Jedi. I don't know if we've seen a, a Jedi have this ability. I don't know if he... Ben, if he did his research, and he's like Thrawn, where he knows everything about everybody's backstory, because he takes a moment in that confrontation between a Sabine. He takes like a, like a five-second pause, and you can tell he's like reflecting through the Force, and... Do you think he's actually tapping into the Force? I guess either of you can answer this one. To to learn about her from the past through the Force is that what's happening there? Because he did it before when he when when it seems he has an ability because Morgan asked him to call on some ability about what does our future look like before in a prior episode. 
I mean, I would say probably it's something along those lines. Um, you know, potentially through the Force. It could be potentially, you know, he is a mercenary, so he could be well, just well informed about, you know, Sabine and Ezra's like history. And, you know, like you were saying, Milton, I think there's a chance um, he would want to bring Sabine along just to be like kind of the chess piece to maybe get Ezra to join him. Because like, I mean, what if we have kind of like kind of a, um, I don't know, kind of like say a dark side version of, of quote unquote kind of Luke here where like, what if Balin, you know, he's obviously fond of the Jedi Order still. What if he wants to start, like, his version of the Jedi Order with, like, Ezra, with Sabine, you know, like, with Shin. Like, maybe it's something along those lines to, like, say, hey, Ezra, like, join me and, like, let's let's bring some power back to the galaxy via, via a bunch of Force users. Like, maybe it's something like that. Because why else would you bring Sabine, which, you know, if it wasn't for an ulterior motive... It would, like, from a from a bad guy's point of view, if you bring Sabine, it's going to cause you more trouble in the long run because she, you know, eventually she may reconsider and, you know, not want to do this and then cause you a bunch of problems. Why even bring her along unless you want to use her to get to Ezra? Hmm. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, is there any other thing you want to say about this sequence here with, the, with this awesome duel, either of you? fire mm -hmm. it was great oh. like i just i just feel like this is what we needed this is what how this how this is what lightsaber should look like you know and yeah I, I i get sick and tired of people who say well no it needs to be this way and that and then like i disagree with that i'm sorry i i have to truly say i respectfully disagree because Yes, the original trilogy lightsabers were what they were. It made sense for that time period of Star Wars. This particular time period of Star Wars, we're dealing with more advanced, leveled up fighters. Mm -hmm. They need to be better. These guys have been doing it for 20 plus years. These particular characters, when I say that, you know, so that's why it should look this way. You know, um, so yeah, I, I, I love that. I have no complaints. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, I, I agree. Like, I have no complaints about the way, you know, the fighting was. I thought the entire duel, like like we mentioned, like, between, like, Ahsoka and Balin was great. Like, it just, it really felt, I don't know, it just felt like Star Wars. Like, all of this stuff in this show really feels like Star Wars, but this really feels like, like, that mm -hmm. entire sequence just felt like something you would see in, quote-unquote, Star Wars. Like, it feels like a Star Wars thing. And the fact that, like, you know, Balin did so well against ahsoka after you know over all these years like for all of us hardcore fans you know we've built ahsoka up to be like such a great fighter and all this stuff and then we have you know dave even talking about like ahsoka being like a you know a potential superior swordsman than luke would be at this time and stuff you know he you know that was months ago like so you know you have those type of things out there and then like you know, she struggles with Balin, and it's like, whoa, like, this guy, you know, means business, basically. Yeah, great build-up in this episode, because we see t two encounters, the one by the ship, the one against Morak, where we see how superior, how easily Ahsoka handles these two adversaries, and then we're seeing, okay, why is it a big deal that Balin just defeated her? Well, she just easily took out these other guys, and we know how good of a fighter she is, so this guy is really powerful. Um, I think there was a bit of distraction because she thinks that her apprentice died when she sees Shin coming back. 
She's the force to lash out. She can't control her anger, I guess, at that moment. And I think that could also lend itself to, you know, just being distracted by her apprentice will let him get the upper hand on her a little bit, I think. But I think the overall feel of the fight was great. Like, those those swings were... They, I felt the impact. Like, those were... They weren't messing around. Like, this was some legit fight choreography that you feel it in your bones when those sabers are coming together. They're slashing through these stones. I love the set. Just It looked fantastic with, like, the hologram stuff in the background, the stormy sky. Just really, really great stuff. Uh, transitioning just a little bit to the stuff that's happening with the New Republic... I was really, really happy to see these X-Wing guys show up, especially Carson Teva, because it's like, this makes a lot of sense. This guy's been constantly going out there thinking that, hey, there's something out there that we don't know about. And the fact that he teams up with Hera, I thought that was fantastic that we get to see him out there doing what he did. He's basically like the um, Nick Fury, I feel like, of the, of the Mandalorian verse. He's showing up in just about everything at this point, so... I, would, I wouldn't go Nick Fury. I'd probably say more Coulson early on. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's, actually, a that's actually a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to take Sam Jackson on that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually a great, great comparison. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, um, Chris. Like, it's cool seeing, like, um, you know, Carson Teva, like, bouncing around, like, show to show like this. Um, and then, you know, just seeing them show up, like, you know, the New Republic still having a presence to a degree versus uh, you know like versus this show just feeling like it's like an isolated spinoff somewhere like it you know it actually feels you know like it's connected like you know we just saw carson and mando season three so now it's like oh here we go again like so you know it's cool just like getting that connective tissue because that's like the connective tissue bits that like marvel fans had over all those years like with agent colson where it's like oh that guy was in this you know that you know like so it's like it's letting you know these things are happening in the same time frame like in the same universe like so it's um it's good for even say like the casual casual fans because you know they'll pick up on that and be like oh i saw that guy you know back during mando season three so i like it oh yeah definitely definitely and it was awesome seeing the uh, hyperspace anomaly or whatever the hell you want to call it when that that little aftershock just like you said, Milton, oh my gosh, they spared no expense on the budget for this thing, because that looked so cool, seeing how those ships were just flying out of control. Facts. No, I, I told my brother, I was like, listen, we need to get a hyperspace ring. I'm like, <laughs> badass. I, I loved it. It was it, it was cool, one, how they how it looked, and how they built it up. And, and my fear was it was going to take forever to build up, but then I was like, yeah. no, she's like, like started up and jump and i'm thinking thank god because you at least if you built this machine you at least want to get it powered up and go especially mm -hmm. knowing that the enemy showing up so i love that they did not waste time and they shot through that they sh and i love how they went like around them but through mm -hmm. them yeah that ass like knocked them out oh um, man my brother my I think my brother mentioned something about he's like it reminded me of like haldo or something and yeah but I'm like, this is why you still can't weaponize hyperspace or something. Like, you can't just weaponize it all the time. That's a cheat. Yeah. This, this wasn't a, a weaponizing. This was just them using it, but it's the electrical magnetic shot. That makes sense. So I love that. It was awesome because they even show the after effects. Like, they're looking out into space, and you can see, like, a tear in space itself. We've never seen that in Star Wars. When a ship jumps to hyperspace, it just 
goes so small you can't see it anymore. But the fact that it actually affects space itself, like, oh my gosh, this thing has what, what did they say? It has like nine Super Star Destroyer hyperspace cores or something like that. So we haven't yep. seen anything to that magnitude tapping into hyperspace. And, you know, th through things like the, uh, the the High Republic, there's the Nile that are the, the faction that use something called the Path, which is like... A different kind of way to tap into hyperspace and it, it it looks also different there so i really just dig in general that star wars recently has kind of gone out of their way to show like different ways of hyperspace at this point oh yeah i mean it's it's cool to seeing you know that entire sequence was great and then you know like you said it's like nine super star destroyer hyperdrives it's like man you better buckle in if you're inside that ship because Jeez. that is going to be like speeding um so it's just cool uh like seeing that and um and it's nice too like even the build-up um you know i'm not sure like if you meant like say the build-up milton like over multiple episodes or just this episode but it's nice that they got this done in one episode so it's not drug out to say the seventh episode and then we get them to jump and then the final episode be where Thrawn and them are like it's yeah. nice that they already made the jump now yeah what I meant to say and I see what you're saying my, my point was it didn't take them forever to boot up the hyper like the, uh, yeah. like because you know how some some you know how with shows will say all right it takes us eight minutes and that eight minutes turns into like 15 minutes of an episode right yeah this like no just turn the damn thing on prime it and go like it like like it's it kind of like a diesel truck you turn on a diesel truck it takes like a minute or two <laughs> to get it going and then you, you go you don't play around um yep. so i loved it i loved how they didn't let it drag out because that could have been an easy trope to make this episode feel more dramatic especially to give them quote unquote the rebels some hope that they can stop this which you're not stop stopping a hyperspace ring with five x-wings and in, in the ghost ship miss me with that so that that was my point, and yeah, I, I'm glad that they just got to the point, did their jump, and now they're going to go to find Ezra and Thrawn. Yeah. Also, guys, like seeing it in action, you know, just the way it moved, you know, the fact that like you know it worked properly and everything, I think it solidifies like my idea coming into this when we when we started seeing the Eye of Sion. Like they have to be putting it around the the chimera. chimera. Oh yeah. I think that's I think that's what that's for. Like it's it's got to be for the chimera to to bring it back. Like because what else would they need? To, I mean, obviously maybe to travel, but but the re, you know I feel like it has to be for Thrawn's capital I, ship. I get I I don't I, I get why they're doing it like to move the ship, but why is the ship so important? Why why aren't they just going there and? some pick other ship to pick up Thrawn, Ezra, and whoever else is there, Paleon, or Paleon's still in this galaxy. But, like, it's just a regular Star Destroyer. I mean, may maybe maybe in this version of Star Wars it isn't. Maybe maybe she had word that they do have something they have to transport back or something like that. But I, that's where it's boggling my mind. It's like, in canon, we know it's just a regular Imperial-class Star Destroyer. Aren't there hundreds of those lying around Corellius shipyards that could just get a bunch of people to steal one and go out? Like, like I don't know. <laughs> well, how many, um... Do you guys remember, like, so for the end of Rebels, was it just what was it just the Chimera that got sucked away by the? No, it was a bunch was of stuff. Mm, maybe so it's say, may, maybe, maybe it's a maybe, portal. Yeah, I say maybe it's something to get like because hypothetically, if Thrawn and Ezra survived, like some of the other people that got taken away probably survived too. So maybe it's for more. 
potentially. But. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe if anybody out there is familiar with Mass Effect, uh, there's the Mass Effects are literally the, the namesake of the game series are these big like pseudo cannons that shoot ships into hyperspace and you go in proximity of these things and they just shoot you off to wherever you want. So maybe the hyperspace gate thing, the Eye of Scion is essentially that and, and they'll be able to fly like an entire fleet through this ring one at a time like they're going through like a sonic game like they're going to just fly through the ring and just start shooting and next thing you know the new republic has like hundreds of star destroyers that just appeared out of nowhere and then now it's like how are you going to fight against that when you only when you had 95 percent of your military decommissioned like what we see in the, the the little ship scenes are their entire fleet that's it and it looks awesome, by the way. I've, I've never mentioned how great those ship scenes look when we're getting that, uh, uh, what is it, establishing shots of like the New Republic stuff going on with Hera. I love it every time. It's like you see the Nebula cruisers. So anyway, uh, can you imagine how, how, what the hell is the New Republic well, going to do when they have an entire remnant Imperial fleet there with Thrawn? Well, think about it, guys. Like, I mean, of course, like with Thrawn involved, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure Dave talked to Zahn about this series and stuff. So like, maybe i mean maybe they did like kind of like a it's like a pseudo katana fleet type deal like like you said maybe bringing back multiple ships instead of just the chimera maybe it's like hey we bring back however many star destroyers that we possibly can bring and then boom like you talk about a surprise for the new republic having such a tiny fleet like this like all of this to me is just like screaming it's gonna be awesome like this build up to the movie you know like how big it's gonna be like you know because we have this big building threat of thrawn and then now the New Republic is just like a fledgling New Republic at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, we got to talk about the ending. We're not going to leave without talking about the ending. Yeah. The World Between Worlds. Milton, Amazing. go ahead. Cool. Tell us what your thoughts were on that sequence there. Yo, I called that. Yeah. I said, I said it literally, like, ain't what the first week we talked about the preview. I was like, we're going to get this. Um, because it one, it makes sense, and I think and this is my this is part of my like my thoughts on that part and also my prediction. I loved it. Anakin looked great. I texted my brother a meme that said like Return of the King. He's like spoilers because he didn't watch it yet. Oh no. I'm like, I don't even care. Like <laughs> just watch this shit because it's that good. Like the ending's perfect. And he was like, Alright, I'll watch it. Um but I love seeing him. He looked great. I think they stole a shot from episode three, though. Oh, 100%, I think. Yeah. Oh, really? They had the one whenever they used when he was talking to Padme about, oh, you're so beautiful and you blah, blah, blah. It, it looked just like it, but I didn't care. He looked good. So I'm hoping with the now the technology being furthered, when we see him now moving and talking to her, it looks just like that, which I think it will. Um, love seeing World Between Worlds. It looks great in live action. I know I don't know think I know this for a fact. My prediction is I know for a fact that my prediction, this is going to happen. My prediction, they're gonna use this world between worlds to probably set Ahsoka right in the sense of her getting over her guilt of leaving Anakin, getting over her guilt of like him of her making a different choice. I think this is going to reassure her that she did the right thing. I think this is gonna put a lot of closure to her 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 um to all her demons when it comes to dealing with what happened to Anakin. You know, and I think obviously we're going to get a duel between. When I say duel, like we're going to see both roles of Anakin and Vader play out throughout this um, this sequence. Okay. So 
I really think this is really going to show us a lot of character mm -hmm. development for Ahsoka moving forward to set her mind right. But I love what it looked like. The ending was amazing. Can't wait for Tuesday. Yeah, notice, Milton, how at the end of the credits, or at the beginning of the credits, rather, they have the, the Darth Vader, was it his breath, his breathing, or the theme of Darth Vader, the Imperial March, or something was going that was like a little bit eerie. And I was like, oh, it's not all fun and games. Like, the next episode is going to have some some Vader stuff, most likely. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it's got, well, look at him. I mean, he's he's wearing his uh, Darth Vader lightsaber. He's not, he's not, he's not using his Anakin saber. If you go back. Really? Sh he's got the Vader lightsaber. What? Yes. I thought it looked like it too. Oh, like, crap. All right. Let me, let me look at this right now. <laughs> yeah, like, like zoom in, because I thought it looked like that too, but I Google could, it. I could zoom. Because I was thinking like, oh, he, everything looked bright. And I'm like, why does he look dark like on his side? And I didn't see an all silver saber. I'm like, oh my God, that's the Vader saber with like the more black on the hilt. Um, so you know they're gonna get some dual, some dualness of like like in and out Vader, some 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 Anakin here. I think they're gonna use it correctly to just to show like these are the different outcomes of what could have happened if you would have stayed. You know you, oh, yeah. you could save them. You know and you're probably gonna get her scared a whole bunch of times throughout this episode. You're gonna get some like small comforting moments from Anakin, but it's gonna be like kind of like a weird like I hope it's like a spooky, scary type thing because it would make sense being in this type of world. So, yep. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I completely agree with all your points you just made there, Milton. Like, I'm so, <clears throat> like, I absolutely loved the ending. I thought it was great. I loved Ahsoka's reaction to Anakin. I thought that was great. Like, it just felt like Ahsoka. Um, and then, like, just, just the fact that, you know, we're going to be getting Anakin and her um, this coming week. And it makes you wonder, like, I feel like we're going to get predominantly Anakin and Ahsoka this coming episode. Like, I think I don't, I would be, I mean, maybe we get five minutes with the bad guys. If that just showing them arrive, arrive to where they're going to get maybe, but I, I could see us getting like predominantly just Anakin and Ahsoka stuff um, for the most part. And it just, it opens the possibilities up. Like there's so many possibilities with the world between worlds. Cause you know, you have all these moments in time and it's just like, man, you know, we could literally, like, see anything, go anywhere, basically, like, see any type of type of stuff. And then the fact that, um, you know, like you said, that the the Vader, the intro a bit to the Vader music was starting at the credits. So it just makes you wonder what that implies. Like, are they going to, like, are we going to see Anakin, um, you know, maybe, maybe we see, like, a alternate version or something of, like, Anakin, like, you know, the fall to him becoming Vader, like, maybe Ahsoka witnesses, like, you know, she sees the, the Anakin, like, chopping off Mace's hand scene or something, mm. like, you know, maybe it's something along those lines, or maybe, um, you know, I don't know, there's just, like, so many countless things you could choose from, and it's just, like, I wonder what we're gonna actually end up seeing in the world between worlds, because, you know, we have, like I said, it's, like, 40, 47, 46 minutes, probably, 47 minutes, so it's a long episode, so it's just, like, man, we, I don't know, I think we're in for something really good. Wow, yeah, I mean, I, I really think it's going to be the, the Clone Wars live-action thing we've all been waiting for. I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see Tamora Morrison's Captain Rex. They're gonna, there's going to be, like, a new battle that we haven't seen in Clone Wars before, where it's like, all the people are back. I mean, hell, they can even throw Ewan McGregor in there. Why not? Just have the whole crew. 
makes sense. It, I think this is the episode to do it. E- episode five and six will be the ones to do it to really then set up the crescendo of this series. Yeah, I mean, they're having this in movie theaters across the nation for a reason. This is not going to be just some like little episode. Like, there's going to be some big ass battle that's going to look amazing on a big screen. And there's going to be some really big moments where people are going to lose their minds when certain characters go on the screen that you never even really thought of in live action, right? I mean, imagine, imagine us now seeing, because I, I know they casted a young person to play Ahsoka, like yep. a young version. So, like, you know we're going to see Anakin and her back with the Clone Wars. I mean, that's a given. And then having Obi-Wan there. So, again, seeing Hayden... Ewan McGregor and like a young actress playing while Ahsoka Zara Dawson watching this and she's like oh my god I remember this training sequence oh I remember this battle with Rex you know, yep. that type of stuff. like imagine us as fans who are in our who's are in our 30s or some in our 40s who are now with the kids who are in our 20s who grew up watching this show and be like damn like we're really getting this live action component of it like how dope is that going to be and you don't put this in a theaters just to show us some people flying around once in a while. You show it because you got the main bosses in this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, I think this episode is going to be um, really special. Like, I, re- I really do, like, because, like, there's just so much, like you said, it's like you both said, it's the coming to the theaters. Um, you know, they're not going to go in and put in a slow episode or, a, like, a non-engaging episode in a movie theater. Like, it's got to be something that's going to get people buzzing, talking, um... And, uh, yeah, like, I just think, uh, I just think it's going to be really, really good. Like, you know, cause there's so much potential, like we're going to get like, you know, with star Wars, especially with Dave being involved, like, you know, he's going to throw some nostalgia bait stuff, like to probably like nostalgia to the prequels, probably, um, like it's going to be so good. I think just because, you know, you have all that going on, you have the mystery of the world between worlds, um, you know, just just overall how they're going to even do it. Like, you know, now that we're going to actually see Ahsoka walking around, and it kind of is interesting because, like, it kind of puts, like, a perspective on, like, okay, so this is kind of what, you know, if you go back and watch the World Between Worlds episode now from Rebels, now you can kind of, like, imagine it in live action. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we have that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's going to be really good. And then, you know, Milton, like you were saying, like, you know, there's talks about, like, the young Ahsoka. I, I'm pretty sure i know who the actress is that might be playing that yep. character um if you didn't hear already i mean i mean we'll, we'll see on tuesday but it sounds um spoiler spoiler alert for anybody not wanting to hear it um like mute me for like 10 seconds but it sounds like it's um one of the um girls from barbie actually um so you know you have that Look, I've, I've never seen that movie so i don't care <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's just it, it's probably just gonna be like um, um whatever but anyway, so yeah, so you have that. Um, and I don't know, I just think it's going to be really good. Like, I can't wait to see how they use Anakin. Like you said, Milton, it looks like they potentially, like, repurpose some Revenge of the Sith stuff. Um, so it just makes you wonder, you know, what they're going to end up doing with well, Anakin. And... If, if obviously, he's going to be, quote-unquote, like a spiritual... Rem- like the mentor or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, obviously when he's in the world you can pull that off with the tech you can put to make him look younger like for sure it's the live action part where which we know they got the technology to make him look like he's 22 again so you can do that i mean that's why i feel like with the budget that we've gotten the so far 
there's no way he looks like he's 40 years old hating Christensen. There's no way they pull that. There's no way they do that because that would be a travesty because they did that in Obi-Wan, which you, you can clearly see it. They did their best, but it's still not enough. But there's no way that they make him look older than what, like, what? come on. <laughs> you, have to, you got the money. I mean, this, is, <sighs> this is the crown jewel of Star Wars right now. Yep. You, you got to pull because you did, you made Luke Skywalker look real good in Mando season three. Yep. No. Book of Boba Fett. Book of Boba Fett. Yes, he looked well. That's season three. He looked. <laughs> Luke looked so good in that. Yep. Hell with somebody else. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, like the the thing about that is too. It's just like they can. It just matters what shots they use when it comes down to those type of things. Like you know, Luke. Luke, um, like, say in Mando Season 2, Luke, you know, the technology was kind of early on for Season 2, but they were able to cover up some of the flaws in the shots because, you know, you're doing Luke inside of a ship, so it's darker, you know, you don't have to worry. But the fact that, like, you know, then in, you know, Book of Boba Fett, we see Luke, and he's out in the open in open sunlight, and they hit it, and it's like, whoa. So they have the tech to do it. So it just makes you wonder um, what they'll do because presumably... You know, like you were, you both were saying, um, especially like you, Milton, like it makes you wonder like what they're going to be doing, like saying the quote unquote, like live action, like when Anakin and Ahsoka are like potentially like looking in on an event, like, mm-hmm. it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Like how are, how are they going to make Anakin look when, when they're looking in on an event potentially? Like that's what I'm interested to see. Hey, Aiden, he, yeah, he's 40 ish. So he's 41. Yeah. He, he ain't he ain't that hard to make look young. He, no, he no, definitely not. Saying like he can, that's some touch ups. Yeah, it's Listen, a little makeup. He looks way longer. <laughs> how and and I and I will I will lose my shit next episode if this if this looks bad because there's <laughs> lot on this particular platform of YouTube that can edit the hell out of these characters and make them look real good, and it's like damn, you you got people that use their home computers that have no money. That can make characters look young, young, and you can't do it with the budget of Lucasfilm or Disney. Miss me with that. Hell, they did it with Harrison Ford in the new uh, Indiana Jones movie. Yep. I haven't seen it yet, but I saw the shots, and people said he looked like he was Harrison it was great. Ford in 1989. It was great. Like, you can do it. I think the whole resolution of what happens with this episode, we're between worlds. Is we get you know we get the white the the, the Ahsoka the white is if you will kind of like how Dave Filoni loves pulling back from Tolkien lore with Middle Earth and Lord of the Rings and I thought it was interesting that we got basically the last shot of Star Wars Rebels season four the finale of the portrait the mural of the rebels and in Rebels it's Ahsoka the white with the staff but in this it was just regular Ahsoka so it's like. That was interesting, but I think this would be way more impactful if this is like that trial for Ahsoka and she gets the other side and she's so much wiser now and hence that she dons the white and for whatever reason that she experiences in the world between worlds and then you have Ahsoka the white again. So that's my kind of theory on what will happen and it'll be a really cool moment for the fans, I guess. Oh yeah, I think... I think so too. Um, I think it's going to be heading along that way because, you know, um, you mentioned it earlier, Milton, when we got into this whole world between worlds talk, like it feels like they're going to, um, they're going to use the world between worlds, this whole thing to like give Ahsoka her little journey, 
you know, halfway through the season. And it's going to kind of like do not like a reset to the character, but kind of like, you know, make her like, you know, forgive her, her forgive her for her like past issues, like say with Sabine, with, with the Jedi, with whatever. So then like she can potentially move on. And then, you know, I think this is like kind of her journey back to becoming a Jedi again, where it's going to be like, hey, she's like coming full circle. Um, you know, like you said, going to become like Ahsoka the White. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it's time to wrap things up and give a score on episode four, Fallen Jedi. I'll throw it over to Milton first. What were your thoughts overall? And if you could give it a score out of 10, what would you give it? Yeah. Uh, so overall, I thought this was a really, really good episode. Best episode of the series. I mean, in one of the best episodes of Star Wars television. Mm -hmm. I know Mando season one and two had a lot of those particular episodes. So it's kind of hard to compare it to that show because that's a different type of show. But this is one of the best episodes of Star Wars I've seen from beginning, middle to end. I was not bored. I was not com com complaining. I was very much engaged, as you should be with a mini series like this. Every episode counts. I've been saying it since day one of any series that we've watched together on this podcast. Every episode matters. And this episode really, really mattered. And it was pushing the narrative. I'm going to say that till I'm blue in the face. It pushed the narrative. Love the action, love the production, love the, the music, um, love the character development that we've gotten in this particular episode. Hopefully that moves forward and we can continue to see more motivations. And I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with the world between worlds and what um, Thrawn and Ezra is going to be like once we get to meet them. So I'm really excited for what the second half of the uh, season could be. Overall, this was a 10 out of 10. There, there's no there's no in ends or buts about it. Some people may say, oh, you're BSing. No perfect episode i recommend this to one it's rewatchable mm -hmm. Two, I, I would i would make sure if, if i knew a regular star wars fan or even a non-star wars fan i would recommend this episode and say watch this and i bet you from my money in my pocket right now they would say this is a really really good episode that's high praise man because i i think coming into we gave the first couple episodes maybe a seven or an eight and the idea that you could introduce this to anybody because like I said in before this has those those kind of feelings those uh, moments the emotional impact of what makes Star Wars great for us those duels that have meaning behind it that have the cool space moments some pretty good dialogue and just really good lore all folded into like Ben said an episode that was under 40 minutes hey the pacing was incredible I guess I'll just kind of go off on my whole spiel here pace was incredible action was awesome Music was great. Revelation after revelation. Some of the best Star Wars confrontation. The big choice. It reminded me a lot of, you know, Vader offering to Luke to join him, his father and son, to defeat the Emperor. Like, that kind of level of stakes and drama. We don't see that kind of level of drama in a lot of Star Wars. But man, oh man, I felt it magnified on this one. I'm giving this a 9.5 only because, as I said in the beginning of this, Milton... Every episode has gotten better and better and better for me. And I feel like next week is going to be so special. So I'm just holding off on that 0.5 of a point because I, I don't know if next week will be a 10 out of 10 for me. But there you have it. What about you? That's a good point. Um, for me, the episode was easily, easily a 10. Like when you were watching it, I mean... It would have been at minimum a nine without the ending scene with Anakin, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, the episode, I would say overall is a 10 just 
for all the reasons we all mentioned throughout this entire show, like the characters, the action, the character choices. I think an interesting point I just thought of actually on the spot, um, Chris, you made me think about it actually is, so, you know, it's kind of like mirroring the Luke uh, choice versus Vader, but Sabine, you know, like Yoda talks about like taking like the easy path and stuff. So it makes you wonder if Sabine could have a negative outcome long-term in this series because she took the easy path to go see her friend. It makes me wonder that, like, you know, will will we get ramifications for her? Because she did, she like hit the easy button, like, oh, I'll just, I'll just basically go with these guys so I can go see Ezra. So it makes you wonder, it makes me wonder that now that, um, you know, you just said that, but I mean, we have those implications with, implications with Sabine's character. We have all the villains. Um, we have Ahsoka's journey. And uh, we just have, like, the overall world between worlds thing um, coming into it. Like, you know, do we have, you know, like I saw some, you know, we we uh, talked about it in our intermission, but, like, someone had commented about, you know, is this, like, one of the Mortis people instead of Anakin? And, it, you know, there's a potential for that just because it's, like, it's Dave Filoni and it's just, like, all right, what what's going on here? Like, because it could be Anakin or it could be like a Mortis person. So like, there's that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just think overall the episode's really good. And like I said, it's a 10 for sure. Top tier Star Wars, top three Star Wars under Disney, like in terms of like shows. And then um, just to like throw out there, a little breadcrumb, breadcrumb for our, our listeners who are listening live. Um, and then you two, like, trust me on this. Like, I heard something and let's just say you guys are going to really like something that's in this next week's episode. All right. I guess we'll leave it at that. But one last thing I want to say is the tension was also built just for the fact that there's no way of going back. Balin destroys the map. So it's going to have to be, it's going to have to be Sabine that will end up, um, Saving the day. Oh, and one final thing. One final thing. See, there's so much depth to this episode that you could really talk about it for such a long time. The idea that we don't get a lot of moments in Star Wars where the bad guys win. I mean, yeah, it goes back to Empire Strikes Back, but this this episode leaves off on a downer. Well, other than the Anakin Skywalker reveal, but up until that point, it's like the bad guys have, have won. They succeeded. It's up to the allies, and there's no way to get there. They destroy the only way there. So... Either Sabine's going to do something, or the bad guys are going to win, and they're going to bring back Thrawn, and that's how the series is going to end, and it's going to be like, oh, crap. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah. There's, I mean, because I think you, you guys said it's a movie that's coming yeah, out next. Yeah, you're right. In that way, this has to be the, this has to be the Empire Strikes Back of building up that shared universe to what we're going to get in that movie. It just makes sense logically. Yeah. All right, we got somebody in a chat named Sims. What if Palpatine exists in the world between worlds? And this is him disguised as Anakin. Just a thought. Oh, man. I really like where your head is, man. That is That would be crazy. First of all, to that, to that listener, that, that's a hell of a prediction. And that would be kind of... That'd be kind of clutch, though, if they pulled that off. Just, just to connect back with the Rebels, too. <laughs> yeah, that'd be in Rebels. But also to tease, like, well, Palpatine's... You know he's around. I mean, we... People don't know he's around right now. Mm-hmm. Around, he's on Exegol. Imagine him now. This is one of his ways. Instead of using clone technology to come back, you know, like that. I mean, that makes sense. Oh so, wow! 
interesting about that though because i mean palpatine ain't stupid you, you think he's just thinking clones is his own way of coming back <laughs> you know, there's, probably, there's probably five or six ways he's, he always thought ahead yeah he's looking at say hey if clones don't work out i'm gonna use this if this don't work out i'm gonna use this well world between worlds maybe i can use that to go to my former body mm-hmm. like think about how smart he is he waited 30 40 plus years to take over the republic you know what I'm saying? Like, he ain't stupid. Oh, man. Well. So that, I like that idea. Well, yeah. You you could be like Sims, everybody out there that's listening. You could join us every Sunday live around 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube.com slash StarRaptor here. And always go ahead and download the episodes after the fact, usually on Tuesday or Wednesday. I have them uploaded to anything like Spotify and Apple Music. Please give us a rate and review. It'll help spread the good word about our positive Star Wars community here. I also want to shout out Zap, Alex Elkins, and Christopher Weber for joining us in the chat this week. Good to see you guys in there having an awesome Star Wars discussion. I'll throw it over to Milton, man. I know it's uh, this is your time of the year, but uh, I can only expect what you'll probably be talking about. I think I've already seen a little bit about it today. But where can people find you online? Twitter. Uh, my mm-hmm. Instagram is Milton7Weber. My Twitter is MiltonWeber7. Uh, Chris is right. Your boy's always talking about the Eagles now that football season's <laughs> here. Let's go. 1-0. We should have beat the Patriots by 50, but we almost lost the damn game. <laughs> I'm good now. I'm fine. My girl, my girl was here earlier watching it. She was actually invested. She don't even like football, but she actually was like invested. So that tells you something. Um, <laughs> But nah, find me on Instagram or, or on Twitter. I'm always talking about sports or working out. I haven't really posted a workout in a while, but um, I appreciate all the people that follow us, listen to mm-hmm. our, our podcast or watch it. Share it with your friends, share it with your family. If you want a good, positive place to talk Star Wars, this is the place. Because we, we, we all disagree. We all have different opinions. But at the same time, this is a safe place to be yourself. So we appreciate you guys who are always coming back every Sunday. There you go, man. Good to have you back. What about you, Ben? Yeah, I mean, you can find me talking Star Wars and sports and fitness on Twitter at Real Ben Maynard and then Instagram. You know, I'll usually try to post my workouts there at Real Ben Maynard as well. And uh, yeah, it's it's a good time always like talking Star Wars to like end the weekend. And then right now for the next few weeks, we'll be able to talk Star Wars and then two days later watch new episodes of Star Wars. So it's like it's like a prime time to, um, you know, to be on here talking, and it's it's always a good time every week. Heck yeah, and you can find me, if you're watching, on the very same channel that you're watching this live stream. Uh, every week I'll be posting the comics that came out this week. Um, and we'll see what else I get up to in the next couple weeks here. Um, participating with my Star Wars Shatterpoint stuff, uh, the local community here, the game store, having a lot of fun over there. And as I said off the top of the show... Me and Matthew from Ion Cannon, which is part of the Star Wars Underworld Network, every Wednesday, no, every Thursday around noontime, uh, we're doing a lunchtime podcast talking about the latest releases of comics that week. So if you want to get more of an in-depth discussion, in addition to my little recaps I post, then make sure you go ahead over there at the Star Wars Underworld and check us out on YouTube. Um, so yeah, that will do it for Ben, for Milton, for I, Chris, aka Star After. That's gonna do it for Outer Room Transmission, episode one hundred and twenty-one. Thanks for watching, everybody. May the force be with you and transmission.